Welcome to Upward Dogology, where I retrain your brain and introduce you to the world of cognitive behavioral therapy for dogs over the age of six months. If you eat potato chips or you know anybody that eats potato chips, you want to listen to this episode. It is an interview with Bonnie Harlan, who founded Prevent Pet Suffocation to educate the public on the suffocation hazards of chip bags and other similar food packaging. Since 2012, Prevent Pet Suffocation has grown to an international following of over 22,000 supporters on Facebook. Bonnie has written numerous articles on the subject and appeared in several television and radio interviews. If you know nothing about preventing pet suffocation, which I can say until I did this interview, I knew nothing and my co-host David knew nothing, then you want to listen to this because it is a great interview and a really, really important topic. And the snippet piece following the interview is on logic, common sense, and manners. Hello, I'm Billy Groom, your host and successful dogologist. And again with me today as my co-host is David L. Helsell. Hey, David. Hi, thanks for having me. How's it going today? Good, thanks. Good, good. So I've been floating around in the dog world uh, professionally and volunteering for three decades. And you've been floating around in it for quite some time too. Uh, almost 20 years, I think. Right. And I know I haven't really been made aware of uh, the the extent of pet suffocation, um, it just really hasn't come up. How about you? No, I haven't. And it's really interesting how big an issue it is. It is. Yeah. So since neither of us are experts on it, <laughs> let's get talking to the, uh, the woman who is the expert on uh, spreading awareness to prevent pet suffocation, Bonnie. Hey, Bonnie, how are you today? Great. Hi, Billy. Hi, David. Thanks Hi, for having buddy. me on. Yeah, this is wonderful. Great. Thanks for joining us today and for sharing all this information. It's just just a, a crazy topic. So um, let's get started and just uh, tell us about what your organization does. Okay, so um, Prevent Pet Suffocation is a nonprofit, and its main mission is to educate the public on the suffocation risk our pets face from chip bags and other food packaging. Um, that's kind of broken down in a simple manner. Um, but it's really about spreading the message and letting all the pet owners know about how dangerous um, chip bags, snack bags, food bags are to your pet and how you can actually lose them within minutes, even if you're home. Wow. So that's you know, that's kind of the big important message. Um, okay, so so how exactly does that happen? What do you mean by, like, like what exactly right. happens? So what happens is when, you know, a dog or a cat um, puts their head into a chip bag, a pet food bag, a popcorn bag, a plastic bag, something like that, it creates a vacuum-like seal around the dog's neck. You've probably all seen these snack bags and chip bags that have that kind of mylar lining, that silvery, shiny lining. Mm -hmm. what, that, 
what that does is it keeps snacks fresh, which is why companies use them, but it's actually, um, you know, a death trap for these pets. So you, a dog will put his head into the bag and starts to create a vacuum-like seal. And as the dog tries to breathe, the bag tightens around his neck, cutting off the oxygen. Well, dogs don't have thumbs and they don't have logic. So they typically start to panic um, because they can't get the bag off their head. And I, I think around. even, yeah, even people panic in that situation. It's kind of like somebody drowning in a puddle. It's just, you, you lose your ability to think, to clearly. think clearly and right. you start to panic. Yeah. Right. So you see this poor animal who by then can't see because the bag's over his head. Right. Um, they, they can't breathe. And so they just, you know, typically will run around and run around until if no one is there to help them, they will collapse and they will suffocate. Um, this happens within minutes. And yeah, I bet. Um, the bag can get so tight that even I've had a, a strong person has a hard time removing the bag off of the dog's head. Wow. Um, so, that's unfortunately really it in a nutshell. You know, mm -hmm. these bags are suffocation risk and it just takes a few minutes, whether you're home or, or not home. Oh, um, um, do you have any stats or numbers on how common this is? Well, when this first happened, because it happened to my pet, which I can tell you about shortly, um, when it first, when, it, when I first heard figured this out, no, there were no numbers, there were no stats. Um, people didn't really know about it. They might think it was a fluke accident. Um, it was just a random thing and people weren't really talking about it. So as I kind of brought this into the limelight, um, more and more people have found me. And so I've, able, I've been able to compile some numbers, but the numbers are fluid because I may hear today about somebody's dog that died a year ago, but they're just now learning about it. So they'll, they'll bring it to my attention. Um, but so, typically I hear from three to four dog owners a week. Oh my gosh. Too. So the fact that this is a nonprofit organization, it must, what you do not only spreads awareness, but also maybe provides emotional support for, for people that this has happened to. So they don't feel like it was just, Right. You know, that there are these awful people. Exactly. So what, what I've kind of created and um, is the awareness, international awareness campaign, but also it does offer a support group for the hundreds of pet owners who contact me who are devastated and grieving. And so I will share their story typically on the Facebook page that we have. And that story might get shared to 100,000 people. So each post reaches a lot of people. I'm able to share their story. They're able to get comfort and understanding from the community, but right. also it allows them to be proactive in helping get the message out and to prevent it happening to another family. Right. And that helps with the, the grieving process. Yeah. 
Right. Because they typically, they contact me, they are guilt-ridden, they're confused, they don't understand it, and they're embarrassed, they feel like a horrible person. And I tell them, you can't prevent what you don't know is an issue. Now you know it's an issue, so now you can help spread the word. Um, I didn't know it was an issue either. Um, so everybody kind of goes through those different emotions, and some people are, you know, they're so crushed, they can't even talk about it for quite some time. Right. And Bonnie, what made you have a passion for sharing this information? Well, like I said, it actually happened to me, and that was in December 2011. And hmm. um, my son brought home his rescue pup from Arizona in college. And they, I ended up falling in love with this, this dog. I mean, his name was Blue. I had never had a rescue pup before. And I just, I don't know, I just connected with this dog. I fell for him and he ended up living with me full time. And he came 50 pounds, he was a big dog. <clears throat> and it was around Christmas and I left to go do some errands. And when I came back, he wasn't there to greet me at the door, which was unusual. So I started looking around for him, thinking maybe he was hiding under the bed, but I, could, I couldn't find him. I went all through my house, upstairs, downstairs, over and over and over, could not find this dog. Finally, out of, the, out of the corner of my eye, I saw him upstairs in my game room under a table with a Cheetos chip bag over his head and he was not breathing. Oh. So I ran over there, I removed the bag, um, I called my vet, he tried to walk me through CPR and um, you know, it was too late. Yeah. Um, and it was the most unexpected devastation, you know, that I had felt. I, I, it was so shocking. It was so unexpected. I had just seen him. And here was this 50 pound dog taken down by an innocuous 10 ounce chip bag. I mean, it was just boggled my mind. So yeah. I was very upset and passionate about spreading the word. And that's how the seeds were planted for prevent pet suffocation. And I started with Facebook page, and now it's evolved into kind of an international aware, awareness campaign and a nonprofit as well. That's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that story and, and for, uh, you know, starting this organization based on such a personal loss. Yeah, yeah it, it was helpful for me to, you know, do something to be proactive because I figured if I didn't know about it, then I knew there had to be a lot of other people that didn't. And it just kind of has made its way through. And um, it's the good news is you can prevent it. And yes, and I was just going to. Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask you how people can help help prevent it. You know, you're doing it with your organization, but how can, how can just an individual person help prevent pet suffocation? Right, so there are simple things you can do. You know, it's not complicated, but it's important. And it's really about getting a vigilance in your home and looking for anything that can be a suffocation risk. So I have found that the main culprits are chip bags. They're the most popular, almost everyone has them in their home, they're typically left on counters and coffee tables and in backpacks and in cars and things like that. Right. So what you really want to do 
is keep all chip bags, snack bags, pet food bags safely stored away from your pet. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to have any access to these. Yeah, you also want to tear. Yeah, simple enough. You want to tear or cut up all the bags as well. So I really recommend people store your chips, your snacks, your your snack food in plastic containers or glass containers and tear up these bags, cut them up, tear them up, dispose of them. Um, mm -hmm. So serve your, you know, when people are over, yeah. get into that habit, get a glass bowl, get a container, don't use the bags. Um, yeah. I know your, we're going to start doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think things too, it's just, there's other times that people don't think about, and, and like you were starting to say, you know, when you have people over a large party, we get a few of the little clinky clinks going and people forget what they're doing. And, you know, it's important to have somebody just monitoring that. And as well, you know, I'm thinking about these uh, street dogs and the dogs the, that are just digging into the garbage sites and the garbage dumps and just random, um, garbage litter containers right. just on the street you know that must happen to them and you don't really think about it right so that's part of the other safety tips so i tell people keep all of your trash can lids tightly fastened that's inside the house outside the house and cut your bags up and people will say well i don't own a dog why do i need to do this well you do it so you can protect those feral cats and the stray dogs and the mm -hmm. animals that are roaming wildlife, roaming around landfills and beaches and parks and campsites. You want to, you're not just protecting your dog, you're going to protect everybody's pet. Okay. Mm. And wildlife. So yeah. you want to, you know, do these things at home, carry them through. Even if you're going to go pack uh, camping or you're going to go to the beach. I mean, I've heard, I've seen so many photos with kangaroos, skunks, squirrels, birds with bags over their head or yogurt containers or peanut butter jar, et cetera. Mm. Um, and they're getting it out of people's trash or like I said, landfills or the beach trash cans, et cetera. And fish in the ocean, they get tangled up in plastics. They do. And so, you know, you're, it's really about just kind of having this mindset of how can I protect my pet at home, what can I do? Yeah, these are, yeah. these are the things you can do. Yeah. And you also yeah. need to do it in your car. Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, there's obviously the heat issue, especially this is uh, right now we're in the heat of the summer. So there's leaving your pet in the car uh, with the heat, but there's also, you know, it's just such habit to be in a hurry and you're eating in your car and your dog's in your car and you're running into the store. And even if it's not super hot or you don't, you know, you have your windows open, if you just leave that chip bag there or something that you're munching on. I've had them suffocate in a cup, a plastic cup of Coke from a, yeah. you know, fast food restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's basically anything that your pet's going to be drawn to and can pose a risk. Um, so that brings me to telling your friends and family about the suffocation dangers of these bags. Mm -hmm. And that includes your pet sitters, your babysitters, um, your friends, kids that are coming over to play, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And yeah. 
want to be extra vigilant also during family and holiday gatherings. Yeah. People get distracted. And what I've been telling people lately is so many of us are working at home and who knows how long that's going to last, probably quite some time. So we're typically at our desk, we're eating at our desk, we forget about it. Everyone's pets are home with them, but maybe you've left the stuff on your, your desk and you leave the room, but your pet gets it off your desk. So you really have to even take go the extra step right now while we're all, most of us are working at home. Exactly. Um, exactly. The more you can tell people about this, the better. So if you have guests in your house, I have had stories of an in-laws coming to stay and they brought food in their purse or their suitcase and a dog or cat has gotten into it and it passed away. It's been awful. So. Yeah. So. Um, I read a note about um, Frito-Lay and trying to get messaging on their bags. What's right. that about, Bonnie? Well, so part of my you know, campaign to, to spread the word was to get um, Frito-Lay to add warning labels to their, to their chip bags, hmm. you know, that it poses idea. a suffocation risk for pets. Uh, we do have an online petition. I think it has around 35,000 signatures. You can find the petition on our website, um, I the homepage that. of the website. And yeah. so what's, what's that website? I'll also post it in my notes and on my website right. as well, but uh, let us know that website there. Yeah, preventpetsuffocation.com. Great. And so has Frito-Lay, what's their response been to this? Well, obviously they've been contacted for pets. They've also been contacted by me a lot and by journalists and reporters. Um, they're basically saying, you know, we're aware of the issue. We understand Ms. Harlan's concerns, um, et cetera. We haven't really gotten where we want to be with them. I would love to be an advocate with them to work together to, you know, put these warning labels on these chip bags. We're not saying don't eat chips. Everybody loves chips. I love them. I still use them. I have them. I just <laughs> deal with the bags in a different way now. And right. so it would be good you know, marketing for them. Like it seems like a good angle for them to show care and concern for, uh, for, for the consumer's pets. Yeah. You know? It sounds like <clears> a win-win. <throat> yeah. It does, me too, and we're not finished trying to, to reach them. But meanwhile, right. I'm asking people, if you, if you can, please sign our petition um, because, you know, every signature counts. Um, That's right. That's right. Good for you. That's a big undertaking. Good for you. Thank so you. we now have our um, tail end question, Bonnie. Okay. Can you share with us something you have learned from dogs or a dog that is a life lesson or is inspirational? Well, I've probably learned a lot of things from dogs. I mean, they're always fabulous teachers, but I think what surprised me the most, and it's been from doing this nonprofit for so many years and listening to so many devastating stories, um, what's surprising is how impactful dogs are to our lives 
how intricately woven they are in the fabric of our hearts. I mean, people consider them their children. Yeah. And when I was growing up and so forth, I really didn't think like that. And it wasn't until I got older and really until I did this that I realized how ingrained dogs are to, to us, to our health, to our well-being, to our happiness. And what I've also learned is how they are great healers. You know, mm -hmm. I've had so many people get a new pet at some point and how it has helped them smile again. It's helped them kind of relieve some of their guilt and it's given them something else to love just as much. And they have an unconditional love. And yeah. that is something that you can't say about too many things. No, that's right. Yeah, I think, well um, yeah, that was well put a lot of our, I think I would, I would go to say that all of our listeners would agree with that and feel that way about their, their pet. And I know when I started my profession decades ago, people thought it was, you know, I only deal with families and family pets and, you know, it's a niche and do people really, they do, they care about um, integrating their dog into their life. It's not just you know, it's not just kind of, oh, that dog is there doing something. It's, you know, people want to have the skills to be able to integrate their dog right into their family activities. Like you were talking about camping. And, and mm -hmm. that is because of the emotional part that the, the dog brings. And they're just, like you said, they're just viewed as like a child or like part of the family. That's beautiful. They are. And I'm so glad we have them. Yeah. <laughs> we just want to keep them safe, you know. That's right. right. We, we all do in a lot of different ways. <laughs> so thank you so much, Bonnie, for sharing all this with us. And it's really yeah, you're welcome. Like, way to go. Good yeah. for you on all your efforts. Yeah, thanks and for doing all this. Yeah, you're doing I, this. I'm enlightened. Yeah, this. you're doing this all volunteer and a nonprofit and really great. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much all for right. taking the time to share that with us. All right. Well, thanks, Billy and David. And I will talk to you later. Okay, take care. Appropriately, the snippets piece is on logic, common sense, and manners. In this episode with Bonnie, we spoke about the ability for dogs to think logically. And I think it's difficult for any species to think logically when they are in a stressful situation. As humans, we tend to take courses to prepare ourselves for those stressful situations such as stop, drop, and roll when you're in a burning house. Do we expect to be in a burning house? No, but we can prepare ourselves as to what to do. The ability for people to apply that when they're actually in the burning house varies dramatically. Some people who have never taken the stop, drop, and roll course would still just apply common sense and logic and be able to address their situation better than other people. So when it comes to dogs learning logic, common sense, and manners, I find that we're, I'm going to start with manners because I find this is a new trending word in the dog world. You know, we're going to teach our dog manners. What we're actually teaching dogs is expected behaviors. That expected behaviors begin with tools such as commands, or the ability to focus. That's a fairly umbrella generic term. But what we do is we teach those skills at easier times and apply them to different areas. 
humans more have the ability to say you're supposed to be well-mannered in a certain place, such as your behavior in a library is going to be different than your behavior in a bar on a Saturday night. And people have the ability to know that. And that is manners. That's socially acceptable behavior. Not everyone abides by it. Not everybody follows it. But they have the ability to know that. Dogs can learn skills and those skills can be applied to different situations, which in turn allows them to be well-behaved dogs. When you get a street dog that has lived on the street and has survived, and now that dog is over the age of six months and you're putting that dog in a home, that dog has thought using the cognitive side of his brain, which is why he's still alive. And that is where logic and common sense comes in for dogs. It's based on experience. It's based on the fact that they learned how to stay alive. They learned what works for them. And so if we don't recognize and harness the cognitive side of their brain and use it, that's when they flip us the bird. If you listen to my introduction or the first uh, four episodes in the mini series, I refer to this similar example quite often. So when I was in Costa Rica studying street dogs. I just did that on my own, just sort of as a self-thesis, I suppose. There was a street corner that was had four sets of lights. So it was a, a four-way stop and had four sets of lights. And there was very busy corner, very busy with cars, very busy with people and dogs. And I noted that some of the dogs just crossed the street, not at the corner. They just randomly, based on the fact that there were no cars there, they crossed the street. Other dogs went to the corner and sat and waited as humans did. And I noticed that they moved when the people's feet moved. They were watching the people's feet and they moved when the feet moved in the direction they wanted to go. When there were no people there, or even some of the dogs, even when there were people, they looked to the streetlights. They looked up and whether it was the colors, because dogs are essentially colorblind, but they do know shades or whether it was the top, middle, or bottom round circle that they learned gave them the ability to go in a direction safely. Or maybe they even just watched when the cars stopped. But they applied logic and reasoning and experience, and that's what kept them alive. They actually used that side of the brain. If they didn't get to that point, then they were often dead. And maybe they saw a dog get hit by a car. Maybe that was the experience. You can have other dogs that get hit by a car and they're still not street smart. Basically, it comes back to the same as people. Their ability to reason and process and think logically and use common sense is a lot based on their personality and their experiences. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode. And again, thanks to Bonnie at Prevent Pet Suffocation. If you would like to follow me on Instagram, it's Upward Dogology, and I have lots of videos there of my clients. You can also find out more about me on the podcast, The Entrepreneur Way with Neil Ball. It's episode 1595. My Facebook is Upward Dogology. And my book is available on Amazon, and that also has a lot of information on myself as well. Or again, you can go back to the initial mini series at the beginning of this podcast and find out some more information on myself and on dogs and how they think and learn. And again, big thanks to the Jeff Murtick Band for their 
contribution of the great music to all my podcast episodes. Thank you.